Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Be a part of the best pro wrestling podcast today by supporting the Going In Raw Patreon. You can enjoy access to the live taping of the show, exclusive merchandise, and patron-only episodes, and so much more. Support Going In Raw today. Click the link in the description. Hey, Brendo, Steve here. And Larson. Yeah, welcome back to Going In Raw Views. It's been a little while, Larson. Yeah, about Going In Raw Views. But now I think the last Sunday of every month. I think so. You can expect a new, 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 new going in raw view. We've decided to do this on a monthly basis, and we've decided, like you said, on the last Sunday of every month. Which takes planning on our part to do all this stuff, as opposed to just kind of like, we need a calendar. That's what we need. We need a calendar. There's one right there. Yeah. That's stuck on September. It's not <laughs> September anymore. <laughs> no, it's not. Anyways, uh, so yeah, this is going in review. We take a look at old pay-per-views or episodes of... Uh, old wrestling. Old wrestling stuff, and uh, we review it here on the show. At the $10 Patreon, Mark, you can help decide what to review. We put this up. We, we uh, choose three things to potentially review. We put that to the $10 and up patrons, and we let them decide out of those three which ones... We're going to review. This time it was a little bit special. Our good friend Othair Sabata suggested uh, Armageddon 2006. He was very persistent very. In, uh, in requesting this. We put it up to vote against, I thought, two very solid contenders. Oh, yeah. I was, I was convinced that Halloween Havoc 98 was a shoe-in. It was close. It was actually close to winning. It was very close to winning. Um, however, in the end, Othair uh, Sabata put his, uh, uh, made his argument better than either of us, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> and, and it won out. And uh, it's a good thing it did, because I thought this was a really fun, weird, entertaining pay-per-view with lots of weird stuff going on. And a really odd time for the WWE, too. It was sort of post when everybody had, like, you know... Th- like, 2002 to 2004, everybody was in WWE. Everybody was there. And then it was that period where the brand split was still there, but the roster had thinned out a little bit. Yeah. This is, you know, when uh, Batista and Orton... We're on their way up or already at the top of the card. Right, right, right. Um, so it was, it was a definitely a transitional period. John Cena as well, transitional period. Mm-hmm, yeah. From uh, the, the the salad days mm-hmm. of the ruthless aggression area, mm-hmm. era, area, era, mm-hmm. and the transition to, I guess, what would be the PG era, right? Yeah, I guess so. I forget exactly when the PG era started. I want to say it was there. Keep talking. I'll look. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, Batista was, like, super over. Um, 2008. 2008. Oh, it's only about a year removed from it. 
This was yeah, you're right. Because late 2006. This was the last pay per view 2006. Um, so yeah, kind of odd. Um, but uh, it was fun nonetheless. They did what they could. This was around the time I really, I think a lot of people, I started dropping out. Yeah. Because I kind of missed. Number one, I don't remember ever seeing a match with Jimmy Wang Yang before. I don't remember him at all. Um, I remember not being a fan of MVP solely because his outfit was just too weird. Long sleeves and like a, shorts. a singlet with long sleeves yeah. and sort of shorts. Yeah. I didn't like any of that. I wonder then, what the inspiration for that was. Oh, well, you know, he had the football stuff going on, too. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, is this some, some sort of like football wrestler amalgam? I didn't know. And then MVP, and he's like the hot free agent, and they hadn't really used that term that much yeah. up until then. And it was some odd booking. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. I just I was like, yeah, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this means. I don't know what any of this is going on. And But there were still vestiges of like the Attitude Era. Like there was that super salacious oh, yeah. bikini or lingerie contest that yeah. just was completely out of place. Yeah, it really was. So we'll start with the beginning, which was, oh, and during the opening video package, they referred to this as a show with a triple main event. They, during the opening video package, they said that. It was MVP versus Kane, Mr. Kennedy versus Undertaker, and then the actual main event, which is a tag match with, two, with one, at least one guy who really was not a main eventer. Um, yeah, I know. And the, the, they started the show. I understand logistically, I guess, kind of, that you want to start the show. I mean, you don't want to have the Inferno match... I guess you need to have the Inferno match first because logistically to set all this stuff up, I'm sure it takes time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But why bill it as one of the main events? I don't know. It didn't. It wasn't worthy of it. Why was MVP? He was not a main eventer. Kane, I don't really think was a main eventer at that point. I don't know why they would have done that. Um, in any event, we did get to see a guy get lit on fire. Yeah. So I mean, compared to what was the most recent Inferno match? Was a Bray Wyatt versus and Kane? Yeah. And Kane. Yeah, that was 2013. Okay. Yeah. And then like that was awful. It was it was terrible. Yeah. Like there wasn't a lot of uh, what would it be called action emoliation <laughs> emulation. Yeah, that word emulation. I said action too because I remember that <laughs> yeah. being a fairly inert match. Uh, right. At well, least this there was some drama. There was some creativity. And in the end, somebody got lit on fire, and he ran around a little bit. But the thing is, with these matches, whoever is wearing the most clothes is one that's going to get lit on fire. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so with Kane coming out with no shirt on, because mm-hmm. uh, I think the first Inferno match with Kane and Undertaker, right? Mm-hmm. And back then, Kane had the, the one arm fully covered. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. like, okay, he's mm-hmm. got one full sleeve. Undertaker has no sleeve. Yeah. Kane's getting lit on fire. Yeah, exactly. That's, there's no winner loss face in Inferno matches. Right. Whoever's wearing the most clothes is going to get lit on fire. That's your winner loss face. And with, when MVP came out, I thought I saw like some bandages around one of his arms, mm. and so that's what I thought was going to oh, get yeah. caught on fire. I was pretty sure MVP was going to come out and lose an end. Evidently, well, you were right in one respect. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting because this was MVP's first big feud. Mm-hmm. This was the blow-off, I believe, for that first big feud, mm-hmm. and he lost. He was the guy who got set on fire. They brought him in with much fanfare. I mentioned earlier, you know, they did Teddy Long was negotiating with the next hot free agent, even though I don't think anybody had ever heard of him. That's always kind of silly. It's one thing. It's like, oh, they're bringing AJ Styles, and everybody kind of knows he's he's a hot free agent. Bobby Roode, hot free agent. Everybody knows him. Yeah. I don't think anybody really knew who MVP yeah, was. So to refer to him as a hot free agent, nobody knows who you are. Are you really a free agent? Are you really a hot free agent? In any event, uh, 
he had picked up a couple of wins against Kane. Yeah, the the the, the basic story temp- template for this feud seems similar to the one between Undertaker and uh, Mr. Kennedy as well. Because <laughs> Kennedy, this is before the whole Money in the Bank debacle with him. Right. This is when he was on his way up. And it's kind yeah. of the same thing. He already picked up a couple of wins over the Undertaker. Yeah. Um, and yet, in what seemed like the blow-off, took the loss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so I just wasn't sure this is a terribly great way to get MVP over. You know, like what, what's really the upside of this? Don't you want to establish like a, a, a decent win streak? You first? think so? That's sort of the way they do things now. Yeah. Um, but in any event, uh, you had an Inferno match against Kane. Um, I mean, they do what they can while the ring is surrounded by flames. You know, granted, I haven't seen all the Inferno matches, but as far as Inferno matches go, I dare say this is one of the better ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I haven't really seen. Because there of is a couple of creative spots. Yeah. That Spot early on where Kane takes the cover off the turnbuckle and sets it on fire. Yeah. And tries to light uh, MVP on fire with that. Right, right, right. Creativity. Creativity. Uh, my only problem with it is uh, MVP uh, kicks Kane. Mm-hmm. He has the opportunity to grab that flaming turnbuckle himself yeah. and light Kane on fire, yet he doesn't do that. He kicks it out of the ring. I almost, I almost feel like MVP, part of his thing was he just didn't seem very prepared for it. He was overwhelmed. Well, he scared. Yeah, he was overwhelmed by fear to really prepare for, you know, the details of an Inferno match. Yeah, yeah, he just wanted to get out of there. You got to think about these things when, you, you know, somebody, hey, we're booking you for an Inferno match. Okay, well, I'm freaked out. Got to think about this. What can I do to get the advantage, you know? And I feel like he just was scared the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Because at one point, uh, early on, he tried to, he scaled the turnbuckle and was prepared to jump out, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Yeah. Um, that would come into play later on, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this cool spot where uh, Kane was down on the mat and MVP was doing these basement drop kicks to him. Yeah. And every one, he was pushing Kane closer and closer to the flame. Mm-hmm. And the last one, Kane got out of the way, and MVP was like, yeah, that close yeah. to the fire. There's a couple of close calls here. Yeah. yeah. So that was a cool spot. Uh, again, MVP goes to the top rope. Um, is like hesitating about whether to jump out, and Kane says, uh, not he- "You're not hesitating anymore," and just pushes him out. Mm-hmm. Right? And then Kane does his top rope clothesline. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so they brawl on the outside for a while. Right. In the end, though, Kane just grabs MVP by the throat, pushes him into the fire, dips him into the fire, and then uh, MVP's rear end, his butt, his caboose. Yeah, it was on fire. Up in flames. His butthole was on was in flames, and so he runs around around the ring a little bit. And I'm like, why are there no fire extinguishers? Well, he knew where he had to run. <laughs> exactly. That part of the match they had planned out. Yeah. He ran around uh, opposite of the hard A-cam yeah. of the ring, and then right at the foot of the ramp collapses right mm-hmm. where two fire extinguishers are. Well, that's, you know, you don't because you don't want to get the mats on fire. Yeah. Uh, or you don't want to go those burned. You need them later on. You need the steel ramp there because it's not going to get yeah. burned, you know. But I'm surprised they didn't have someone, you know, like right behind the timekeeper yeah. with the fire extinguisher. Why do you think? I mean, I'm, they sure, the visual. I'm sure they had some sort of, like you said earlier, bandages of some sort, but on yeah. this caboose maybe soaked in some sort of fire retardant. Yeah, I would think so. I would guess. I, I would that assume there'd be some sort of protection there. But, uh, hey, kudos to MVP yeah. for being lit on fire. Because that's not... Ooh. You'd think there would be several ways where that could go wrong really quickly. I know, really exactly. Easily. That's going to be terrible. So... Yeah, so. He's a braver man than I. Storyline, he was out for a little while with third-degree burns. Yeah, they said his, during the show that he was sent to a burn unit. To his caboose. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, uh, next up we had uh, some divas backstage with uh, Teddy Long, and they seemed overjoyed at the fact that they had to participate in a lingerie contest. This was, this was in the doldrums of the... 
I mean, I don't know what else was happening in the women's division at the time, but this was not a good thing. Not a high point. You had Ashley Massaro. Yeah. A Layla. Layla was there. Yeah, you had uh, Jillian Hall. Yeah. And Crystal. I don't really remember who Crystal was. They were the participants in this particular yeah, yeah, yeah. nice lingerie contest. Yeah. Anyways, Teddy Long announces it in a backstage segment. It, at this point, so during the Attitude Era, the salaciousness kind of fit with the rest of the show. It all felt like it was, it all felt like one long salacious thing. This episode, like at this point, it kind of just stuck out like a sore thumb. It felt out of place almost because it's not like you had Austin running rampant, dropping curse words, throwing up the middle finger or Vince McMahon getting busted open and blood everywhere. I mean, granted you had, no, you had, you had plenty of blood during this particular point in time in WWE, but it was like the vestiges of the attitude era sands the stars that made the attitude era what it was. There was no stone cold. There was no rock. There was no HBK until a little bit later. And then, but even around this era, you there was. I guess HBK was around during this era. Sorry. Yeah, no, there was a focus on wrestling at this time. HBK versus Angle was only a year before this, yeah. and that was a wrestling thing. We had Chris Benoit, Chavo. I mean, Eddie had only died a year earlier, mm-hmm. and so you know Gregory Helms, uh, he was doing some good work. It it just it felt so out of place. Yeah, you know, we'll get to it when we get to the actual thing. But Let's talk uh, about this ladder match a bit because. Uh, uh, especially Brian Kendrick and Paul London. Mm-hmm. There were several times during this match where I was asking, why did they just do that? I know, I know. Like, why did you take that bump? That seemed unnecessary. I mean, of course, this match is, is well known for the, the, the injury that Joey Mercury suffered yeah. during the course of the match. We'll get to that a little bit. It got, I mean, it, I think sort of going back to what I was saying a moment ago, it almost felt like the WWE at the time was going through a very uncertain time in terms of what they were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, if you even look at the two world champions, you had John Cena, who obviously then went on to become the face of the company, and yeah. that's the direction they were going in, going with. And then you had Batista, who was very much kind of a, a product of the past with the big, burly, you know, strong guys. Um. And so, even with this, like, look at the lineup here. You had Dave Taylor and William Regal. You wouldn't expect them to be in a ladder match. No, not at all. In the Hardys, you very much expect them to be in a ladder match. You exactly. have uh, M&M, who very fit. Very athletic. They kind of fit. But As do Kendrick and Paul London. Kendrick and Paul London, they, I mean, they could have thrived five years earlier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, M&M and, and uh, well, M&M... They were very athletic, yeah. but you don't really think of them as high-spot guys. Well, no, I, I would for John Morrison. John Morrison, yeah. but I He was a high-flyer. Yeah, but I never really pictured him as like an extreme guy. He would do cool athletic stuff. He was more in the mold of like a Kofi Kingston. You think of him like a high-flyer? Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I but like that. not reckless. I'll put it this way, not reckless. Like the Hardys and like uh, uh, Edge and Christian were like... They were reckless, yeah. you know, for our entertainment. Yeah, yeah. They really got that. No, I understand that. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Um, but guys like Kendrick and Paul London seem completely suited for the TLC matches in 2000 and et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Dave Taylor and Willie, that was just bizarre. That was just weird. Yeah, the story with them is that, uh, at least with William Regal, he was afraid of heights. So yeah. So he didn't ever climb the ladder. And so, Dave Taylor was in his, like, early 60s. Yeah, and initially the match was supposed to be between uh, Kendrick and London. The and, camps, yeah. and Dave Taylor and William Regal. This is a fairly decent time into Kendrick and London's uh, at mm-hmm. the time yeah. um, record-setting tag title reign, I believe. Yeah, and they were they were as we saw with uh, Helms, they were 
trying to establish stars, I think, out of lengthy reigns because yeah. he was like the longest reigning cruiserweight, or yeah. I think he was the longest reigning champion on the on, roster. On the roster, and then uh, JBL said that Helms held the cruiserweight title longer than he held the world title on SmackDown, which was like, I mean, a year, year, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, initially supposed to be Kendrick in London versus uh, Dave Taylor and William Regal. Mm-hmm. Theodore Long comes out before the match and again says, you know, uh, I'm in the Christmas spirit and the holiday spirit. Yeah. So uh, for your entertainment, we're going to make this a ladder match. Right. And we're also going to add two more teams, which end up being. Which is a, like terrible general managing. That's awful. Like especially for, look, Kendrick and Paul under their young dudes, they can adapt. But like. Dave Taylor and William Regal probably prepared for this. I know. You know? Like, okay, we've got these young chaps. <laughs> now we're going to have to face them. They're very quick. They're very athletic. We can use our, our experience and our... Brawling. And our brawn. Exactly. To best them, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, Teddy Long comes in. Hey, player. Now it's a tag time. Now it's four-way. And it's a ladder match. Well, blimey. I don't like yeah. heights. Yeah. I don't like heights. Yeah. Sounds weird. And the Hardys were still incredibly over back then. As soon as Eminem came out, the whole crowd was chanting Hardys. Mm-hmm. I think Jeff was Intercontinental Champion. I think that was the belt he was wearing when he oh, came out. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so there was a lot of spots, a lot of uh, uh, bumps that I didn't really want to see uh, people take. Yeah. Um, it was just a Throughout lot. this match. So, like, going back to the Attitude Era, the initial <sighs> TLC matches, they were very graceful. Yeah. You know, they would execute spots that just seemed very graceful. Well, there was always build-up to spots, too. Yeah. And this just seemed like spot, 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 spot. And it was, a lot of it was, like, awkward, like, oh, that had to hurt it's like in they, a weird way. It's like they had a, a, a spot-per-minute quota they had yeah. to fill. And it felt like everybody was rushing through spots. Yeah. And they, they were just, like, it was like, there was, there was no grace to it. No. It would just, they would just fall weird. Yeah. And they would fall, like, awkwardly, like, and their leg would get caught in one of the ladder rungs. And it'd be just like all weird like that, or they'd fall awkwardly on the like ropes. They were, it, looked like they were glitching, yes. <laughs> it was all glitches. This was just a glitch, man. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily why Joey Mercury got hurt. It's either it was a lack of communication. That was. But we'll, we'll set it up here. So uh, it's John Moore. What happened there was <laughs> failure to communicate. <laughs> was a, it was no, a turn of events. Turn of events. John Morrison set up uh, a ladder open. On its side, so the open end, the larger end was facing the turnbuckle. Yeah. On top of that, he put a ladder that was folded up with the top facing the turnbuckle, like a lever. Mm-hmm. So uh, the spot initially, I believe, was either Morrison or Mercury were, was going to try to suplex Jeff Hardy onto the ladders. Yeah. Jeff Hardy reverses. Uh, Matt Hardy comes, helps. He holds Mercury and Morrison, and then Jeff... Holds their heads down like this. Yeah. And Jeff Hardy jumps and does kind of like a senton onto the ladder. To seesaw it up. Sending the lever upwards. Yeah. Um, now, I'm thinking if you're, because I didn't, I didn't look. Did you see what John Morrison did? He turned his head. He turned his head. So I'm thinking you either want to do something like this. You, yeah, you want to put your hands up ideally, but nothing else. You want to turn your head so you're at least taking the breath. Right, you don't try to eat neck. the ladder. Well, I, don't, I don't think, I don't know if, if Mercury knew it was coming. Like he knew the spot was coming, but I don't think, I don't know if he knew if, I mean, I have to read more about it. If Hardy was jumping off that particular moment, I don't know if there was some mm-hmm. spot there. Supposed I to mean, because the ladder came quick. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the blood came in just about as fast. There was a lot of blood. Pretty much instantly. Immediately. And they, they had no problems replaying that. So, like, he gets hit in the, was it the? It's around oh, right here. The orbital socket. Yeah, he right. broke his orbital bone. So he, he recoils. The camera goes to him, and it's just. And he pretty much immediately rolls out of the ring, and he yeah. looks up. 
you know, the camera's right there, and he's already pouring blood. There's already a pool of blood in the ring. There's a right. pool of blood forming on the ring mat. Ooh. So they go back to the action, replay it a couple times. They cut back to him. His eyes are already swelling up. Yeah. And this blood is coming out everywhere. Oh. And so they take him back, and he they say he's rushed to a hospital, mm-hmm. rightfully so. Probably a legit, not just a, not just a fictional burn unit. No, that's a legit. <laughs> he's going to a hospital. He got his face busted up. Because like bad. they cut back to him too, and he's like eyes all like, yeah. closed. Oh. Yeah, it's really swollen up already. Um, so that more or less took Eminem out of contention for the match. I mean, they and they kept, they kept on selling the fact that oh Morrison's doing such a good job without his partner. Yeah. Well, there's a stretch of the match he wasn't even involved. <laughs> There was this one spot where Regal uh, delivers this brutal half-and-half half suplex to London. I think mm-hmm. that was when, like, one of his limbs got caught in the rungs yeah. of the ladder. I was like, why are you doing that? I know. That, and then when Kendrick did the sliced bread off the ladder on Regal, it looked like he landed right in his head. I know. And Reg- it honestly, like, it looked like Regal wasn't really ready to go. Like, when that happened. Like, Re- or, or he was just like, because wasn't it, it was from the apron to the, to the ground, wasn't no, it? No, it was from the, off the ladder. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, no, but, yeah, they're on the ladder, and he did that. And Regal was like, dude, I'm not going to be doing it. Like, it just looked well, like he didn't want to be doing it. that, and then also, I don't think there's enough room for both of them to land without right, holding yeah. the ropes. Yeah. So Kendrick ha- kind of had to land like that. Yeah, oh, You know, yeah. if, if Paul, my hand is his head. Oh, dear, this is not good. It was, I'm not happy with this and You could hear the crowd gasp when that yeah. happens. So like, oh, well, okay, I'm not happy with Teddy Long. Possible and break their neck today. Why am I still doing this? In the end, Paul London punches Matt Hardy off a ladder. <laughs> I love and gets the belt. Ladder matches are always the worst, dude. Because like the very end, the payoff is kind of underwhelming. The payoff is always underwhelming, and it's and simply because every time there's a false grab at the titles, they're so bad at faking it. They're like doing this, like they're like a cat just batting at a yeah. toy. Yeah. Whereas as soon as the guy is winning that he's supposed to win, yep, cool, calm, yeah, exactly. and yeah, they just pull it down like no problem. Anyways, but I mean, it was like there was a lot of. Insane spots. There's a lot of insane spots. spots. It was it was an entertaining. It was just hard to watch. Uh, next up, uh, the Miz came out. Baby Miz. Yeah. This is pretty fresh off his debut. debut. His run on Tough Enough. Yeah. Um, uh, and this must have been when he had heat in the locker room because JBL could not stand Ran him. him down. From the moment he walked down to the ring to the moment he left. And Miz was doing, uh, like, I guess... Uh, he was so fresh that he was still referencing the real world. Yeah. Because he was like, this is the real story true of, story. true story of, blah, true blah, blah. And then he would end with, hoorah. Surprisingly, the crowd he, uh, got into it. He was able to convince the crowd to start chanting hoorah with him, which I think is like a Marine thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure why he was doing that. Um, but yeah. It's it foreshadowing because in, in about 10 years in the future, he would be the Marine. He would be the Marine. Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, he was terrible. It's, it is actually remarkable that he never lost his job. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a credit because he was, he was so unconvincing in trying to convince people that he had any charisma because man, he was like his face, he, he would do his face in weird, it was, and I liken it to, it wasn't that long after, what was it, 2009 that him and Cena fought at Mania? Or was it 2011? 2011, okay. Because after this, he had his run with uh, uh, So it was like five John years. Morrison. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like five years later. His run with John Morrison was fun. It, it was fun. But he was still trying to convince people that he was main event material when he had his run with Cena. Now, I totally believe yeah. it. He's been there long enough. Yep. He toughed it out. He did his job, and, it, and he's fantastic now. I oh, love he's the great, yes. Best. 
But back then, man, it was like, how is this kid going to last? But mm-hmm. man, like a cockroach, he stuck around. Yeah. Because um, he was, yeah, it was not good. I mean, he gave it his all. Yeah. I mean, he didn't he, stutter. It wasn't like, uh, who's the other kid, Daniel Pooter? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah who was like, terrible. Yeah, who was just, man. well, yeah. He, he, he had enthusiasm. Yeah, he had enthusiasm. He didn't stumble. He, uh, he was, might have been trying to convince himself while he was trying to convince mm-hmm. the audience. Yeah. But he was, uh, at least, uh, uh Somewhat convincing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell there was passion there. Yeah, true. And you can see uh, the seeds of what the Miz would eventually become. Right. Just wasn't fully formed yet. Yeah. Um, he faced the Boogeyman, one of the most fully formed characters like, yes. that, of that era, at yes. least. Because man, that dude really committed, didn't he? Eating worms and whatnot. Yeah. He had a great, great look. Oh yeah. I have never looked into the story of why somebody recently, some outlet recently had a, a, a like a. a a retrospective on him that I read that he got started really late wrestling. Mm-hmm. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I could be completely off base, but it was more his character work that got him to where he ended up being as opposed to his yeah, in-ring yeah, work, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you got to figure that sort of ceiling is probably a tad limited, you know? It's like he's supernatural, but you're not going to take him in the same way as you take, like, The Undertaker, you know, or even Bray Wyatt for that matter. When you don't have, like... And granted, I know Undertaker doesn't have a name, but like, I don't know. When you're literally the boogeyman, which is like a kid's nightmare type thing, and you eat worms, there's not going to be a whole lot of ceiling there. Um, but then if you're like you're saying, if you got started late, yeah, who knows? I mean, I'm sure there's a story out there. And right after we done we get done filming, I'll probably look it up and I'll find out. Yeah. But uh, anyways, The Miz apparently up to this point was undefeated. I'm not sure how legit any of those victories were, um, but this was his first loss. Yep. Uh, Miz took a loss against the Boogeyman. Pretty quick match, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Miz... Yeah, oh, this is less than three minutes. This is the shortest... Easily the shortest yeah, match. Yeah, um, going back to the Boogeyman, it looks like he got started when he was about 30. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wait, no. Sorry, no, 40 when he got started. There's still time for me. Wow. So this is from Wikipedia, and this, this is all starting to come back to me now, kind of. Uh, okay. So he's on the, well, the early seasons of Tough Enough, I guess, or tried out for it. That's interesting. And after surviving the first day of eliminations, mm-hmm. um, previously he had said he was 30, but after the first day of eliminations, he admitted that he was actually 40 years old. <laughs> that was great. No, so he got 40. started really late. I'm actually 40. I'm the whole 10 years older than I said I was. That's crazy. So he was 42. It was like that dude who was trying to play high school basketball, and it turns out he was like 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. Good for him. Hey, man. Fake until you make it. He's still doing stuff. I know. You know, he's still around. Uh, so anyways, Boogeyman won. with like uh, a bunch of worms and misses. Like a, like a choke slam, powerbomb, amalgam type thing. And yeah, afterwards, he does like yeah. a Sam Raimi movie spot Blah. and vomits worms so into gross. the Miz's mouth. Hey, again, commitment. You, yep. know, you have to appreciate that. Oh, that's I know. Gross. And it was interesting that he just dug into his pant pocket and grabbed a huge handful of worms out. I like that. That was really. Yeah. Did you notice this? That, uh, you know, he comes out and he has worms in his mouth. <laughs> yeah. And then for the first, I don't know, two thirds of the match, he still he just had the worms in his mouth. And at one point, I don't know, maybe he took a bump or something, and they just all came out, and they're all strewn across the ring. How do you keep them in your – they're worms. How do you keep those in your mouth for two know. minutes of a match? I don't know. Maybe a minute and a half. It was only a three-minute match. Um, yeah, I don't know. So after the first three of the uh, – two of the first three uh, – after the first three matches, the ring was covered in blood yeah. and worms. Because – oh, we forgot to mention, like, during the latter match – 
there was a spot that helped that happened a couple minutes after Mercury had his spill, and I think it was Morrison falling down on that spot, and it was literally like a lake of blood. Yeah, it was, it was so much of Joey Mercury. And they did do a very good job cleaning it up because later on the show there was like caked blood on the ring mat. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Uh, next up, <laughs> you just don't expect somebody to drop a freaking pint of blood. Yeah. Uh, Chavo Guerrero had an interview. They're doing this thing where Chavo. And I'm not even really sure who was the. I guess Vicky was the heel here, but then Benoit was kind of like. I didn't really get. I was kind of like. I think when this match happened, I started looking up Eddie because I was like, man, how long was this after? And it was about a year and a half after Eddie died, so they were able to get Vicky into like heel territory mm-hmm. already, mm-hmm. which I love Vicky Guerrero. I think yeah. she's great, and I, I thought I always thought it was awesome that they transitioned her into a role on screen so that she could still support her family and uh, and get over. And it just hap- happened that that was a heel, yeah. you know, a heel run. So um, I thought it was cool and everything. Some, so Chavo gave an interview about, I, I forget exactly what the crux of the Oh, was. is it Survivor Series? There was a spot where uh, uh, Benoit was putting Chavo in a sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Chavo reversed it, sent Benoit back to the ropes. <laughs> and uh, Vicky was on the apron. And so when Benoit hit the ropes, he pushed yeah, Vicky yeah. off the apron onto the, the ring mat on the outside. I did notice this about the boogeyman. I forgot in my notes. He had a LeVar ball run. When he ran, he ran up the ramp, oh. and he started doing the wide leg LeVar ball run. I was cracking up. It was like dead on, too. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, that led to Chavo versus Chris Benoit. Some of the it, – it's so bad, but like JBL um, – in the lead-up to this, he was talking about Benoit. He's like, I never knew Benoit was capable of such terrible things. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, I noticed that, That's a lot worse than that. Um, anyways, I mean, fantastic match, though. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Benoit versus Chavo yeah. Guerrero, man. Two great wrestlers. Yeah. Um, the finish was uh, Benoit putting Chavo in a sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Um, Vicky enters the ring with the U.S. title because Benoit was U.S. champion at the time. Right. He yells at Vicky, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, releases the hold. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow I didn't note how he got the belt out of Vicky's hands. Vicky is on the ground, and he's contemplating whether to put her in the sharpshooter. Oh, yeah, man. Um, while he does that, uh, Chavo rolls him up from behind. Benoit reverses that into a sharpshooter, and mm-hmm. Chavo taps. Nice. But it was a fine match, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a good match. They're two good wrestlers. Uh, next up, I thought it was a really good match yeah, also. Uh, Gregory Helms. I, I, I don't know when he stopped being the Hurricane. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I felt like he was a bit – I mean, he's always a really good wrestler. I just – I wonder if there was a way they could have channeled that charisma he brought to the Hurricane character. Because at this point – at this – it was – honestly, it felt like this should have been him before he was Hurricane. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? This is the heel run. That gets him over so he can have a, a, a long, sustained face run. Because there was none of that. It was all just him trying to be serious wrestler guy. And I feel like that was not the right way to go yeah. with him, man. Like, yeah. he was freaking, he, he was the man of the hurricane. Yeah, he was. He was so much fun. Anyways, he took on Jimmy Wang Yang, who was one of the young dragons mm-hmm. back in WCW. Um he, the dude had plenty of charisma. Oh, yeah. He was I'm good in the ring. He was good in the ring. He had plenty of charisma. I'm not sure. Again, not looking him up. Don't know why. he. I know he – I'm pretty sure he was one of the names WWE wanted to bring back. That sounds right. Uh, for the uh, the brand split this last time around. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I know he's still doing stuff. Rumors or reports to that extent. Um, but, no, he was cool. Wow, I, he's only 36. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, young, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um. 
So anyways, uh, oh yeah, you have it noted here. Helms with the top rope swing, neckbreaker. Yeah, there was, was all cool. sorts of great wrestling here. It was just a lot of really good wrestling. Yeah. And it was going inside and outside of the ring. Lots of great high-flying moves. Um, Helms won with a single-legged coat break. I don't know what the official name is, but that's pretty much what it was. Yeah, pretty much. So you only hit him with one knee instead of two. I always know when I, I whenever I'm into a match, I have no notes on it. Yeah, I know. You know? Because like, I'm like, oh, man, this is actually kind of a cool match. Um, but then I have like a ton on Mr. Kennedy. So That match took a, a little while to get going. Yeah, it did. There was like a really long... They tried to make... The drama of Mr. Kennedy versus Undertaker, like, into, well, into I dramatic. The, I thought the package they played before the match was really good. Yeah, it was good. That that bit where blood was raining down on Mr. Yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, I know. And then put a smackdown. That but, was a cool image. Dude, without, I mean, my thing was this. What was really his gimmick? Like, I get that if they're just trying to get, like, this sort of, I don't know. Arrogant. Arrogant deal. guy. But, like, I don't know. He talks on the mic, and he's just got the most... And I I get he's a heel. You're not supposed to like him. With Randy Orton... Randy Orton back then was the perfect... The perfect heel that you just looked at his face, and you hated him because he was so villainous, you know? Yeah. You knew that that guy, there was something wrong up here, and he was just a straight... Because he exudes that perfectly. Mr. Kennedy just had like go away. Yeah, you know it was, it was like more of annoying smugness. As yeah, menacing smugness. his face was kind of fat. He had like a small mouth. <laughs> and then, and I hated that. Like his main thing, number one. So when he got booted from the WWE, he went to TNA. He dropped a promo where he impersonated Triple H, telling him to stop chewing gum. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody would have a problem with Triple H telling him to stop chewing gum because that bothered the crap out of me. When he was doing his promo and he was like, hell, I am SmackDown. I was like, would you stop chewing that gum? You look stupid. You look so ridiculous. I hate that right now. Interesting. And it wasn't like, oh, he's such a bad heel. You want your heels to be like true villains, you know? Not just an obnoxious guy who chews gum when he shouldn't. Yeah. It just comes off as kind of unprofessional and arrogant when there's nothing to be arrogant about. Yeah. That's one of my main things. When you're arrogant, you have nothing to be arrogant yeah, about. Yeah, that's a fair point. Randy Orton would go around kicking people in the head. He'd, like, like destroy old people, like legends. Yeah. Like that was that's, a gimmick, yeah. That's villainous right it is, there. It is. Chewing, he kicked Mick Foley down some stairs. Oh, my God. That was awesome. Yeah. You know, you're just a dude who says your name twice. You, like, they bring down a boxing microphone thing. Yeah, you know? that's cool. The, the microphone thing was cool. <laughs> Did you did you like saying his name twice? No, I didn't say his name once. I didn't get no. He did that. No, I know. Yeah, you say Mister Kennedy, and then you just say Kennedy again. (laughs) Yeah, that was I did. Yeah, whatever he said, I didn't care about. But the visual of the mic coming down from the ceiling and the spotlights was very dramatic. I like all that. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. But I could I could not really I don't really care about what he said. About the bubble gum. What about the the gum? Serious. Yeah, you know me. One of my pet peeves is hearing people chew. Right. I can't stand it. You're a promo guy. Like your main gimmick, from what I can tell, yeah, is from what I can tell, is yes. they literally lower a special microphone down there for you. Yeah. And you're chewing gum. I will say this, and this is something Dave Grohl said because he chews gum all the time. Yeah. Especially when he's performing, he says he does that so he has moisture in his mouth because he sings, and you know, so his mouth and throat doesn't get dry, which would affect his ability to to sing. Sure enough, that's the only rationale I can think of why he might be out there chewing gum. But considering he's not performing a two-hour set, right? Yeah. Just go get a nice swig of water, have some tea. Yeah. 
you know, get that throat it's lubricated. A, it's a, maybe a five-minute promo. Yeah. You don't need all that. Probably don't need to chew the gum all, the whole time. Or chew your gum. Do what Mr. Perfect did. Yeah. On your way out. There you go. You're done. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't get it all. He was the walking tribal tattoo, dude. He had that freaking tribal Giant one on his back. I oh my god, it was so bad. I don't know. I I never saw the appeal of the guy. I never did. I think that was again one of like I. One of the one of the reasons I think Miz was one reason. Mister Kennedy MVP. They're all kind of reasons why I didn't watch. I was like, who? These guys aren't even like. There's nothing appealing about these guys. Like I don't. I didn't see anything. They weren't special wrestlers. Like, MVP is a decent wrestler. They weren't special wrestlers. There was nothing about their character that I loved or hated. So it was just like, you're just trotting out these guys. Amazing! Well, especially Mr. Kennedy and The Miz, they just seemed, you know, like they could be affliction uh, yeah, models, you know? I know, exactly. They were just there. I'm like, yeah. give me, like, real characters. Yeah. Give me guys with, like, affliction models. <laughs> no, I was going to... Um, anyway, so match was fun though. Match was fun. It took a while to get going. There was some brawling all over the place. But then once they got to the set, it was fine. It was a last ride match, which means you had to toss someone in the back of a hearse and drive the hearse out of the arena somewhere. Like at like at no, I think it's literally out of the interior of the arena. Because as soon as the Undertaker, spoiler alert, he won, drove it through the curtains mm-hmm. by the ramp. Ref. No, okay, okay. So he has to drive through those curtains, so it's maybe a matter of 25 feet. feet. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So pretty much once you get in the car, if you start it and uh, let it idle for 15 seconds, you win. Yeah, yeah. That's what it seemed to be. So it was a lot of brawling. They eventually uh, uh, made the way to the set. The set was very elaborate. It was like a big castle. Yeah, more or less. They climbed up. There was a little area that was set aside for them to actually fight on, so they brawled on the set. You knew someone was going off, and it was Undertaker. Candy threw him off, and they tried their best to disguise the 18 inches of padding mm-hmm. that was there, the area where the Undertaker landed, and there was one clear shot of it, but thankfully they had like little uh, miniature castle set around that, mm-hmm. so for the most part, you didn't get a good sustained look. There was yeah. only one, two or three second shot. Yeah. There was a huge hunk of padding there for the Undertaker mm-hmm. to fall on. After that, Kennedy puts Undertaker in the back of the hearse. And they had, like, an early GoPro in the inside <laughs> yeah, of the car. Yeah. Probably a lipstick camera. Yeah. Uh, so Kennedy's in there trying to, you know, get in the car ready to go. Looks in the rearview mirror. Looks back ahead of him. Undertaker does the sit-up thing. Little did they know that this would be, like, a highly gifable moment, you know, years, ten years later. I, I mean, I haven't really seen it, but it totally was. Oh, like, I know. That I know. shot was so ridiculous and funny. I'm like, man, why doesn't somebody, like, really gift that? Cause I, I know. know. And then Mr. Kennedy overacts. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then the Undertaker grabs and pulls him out back to the back of the car. There was a cool visual. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Like, this match was so goofy and so overbooked. That it was very entertaining, regardless of who was yeah. in it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so Undertaker starts busting out weapons, a chair, mm-hmm. grabs a lead pipe, tries to hit Kennedy with it, just busts the back of the car. Right. Um, eventually gives Kennedy an unprotected Oof. chair shot to the head. Yeah. Which busts that. Kennedy yeah. open. I mean, um, that's the cool thing about his, his hair being that the Ric Flair thing, yeah. It's the Ric Flair thing, yeah. So when he bleeds, it really stands out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Undertaker puts him on the top of the car. We get a choke slam. Uh, in a tombstone, mm-hmm. throws Kennedy in the back, yep. drives 25 feet, wins the match. Bang. Done. You know, in the Attitude Era, they would have cut back to that, and he would have driven that hearse off a bridge. Oh, yeah, I know, exactly, yeah. Something like that. They'd have gone outside, 
Yeah, and a day rest <laughs> in peace, and then they can't. <laughs> he, he would have driven it somewhere. He wanted to stock footage of a car going off the cliff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or like he would drive it somewhere, it would stop, and then it would be a side shot, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, after that was not your nice lingerie contest. Yeah. The the thing that I think. So okay, you know. A bunch of attractive females in skimpy clothes dancing around. Who doesn't like that, right? I think my main problem with it was right before Santa Claus came out to introduce... Okay, there was two things I liked about it. Number, or there was one thing that bugged me about it. There was one thing I liked about it. Right before Santa Claus came out, or right as he was coming out, they cut to a shot in the crowd of a girl who was maybe like 10 years old. At that point, I was like, oh, why would you bring your... Like... Uh, she has to see this now. There aren't any women fighting on the card. It's just a lingerie contest where one of them, and it was Layla, was dancing around like she was an actual stripper. Not just like a movie stripper, but she was, I was like, oh, that looks real. I'm pretty <laughs> sure uh, there, her top, the top of her butt crack was oh, yeah. at least a couple times. Yeah, yeah. It was very, very skimpy. It was very salacious. Um, so that, I mean, that, you know, seeing a kid in the audience, like a little girl in the audience, that just immediately, it's like, you know, any, any, you know, uh, pleasure I might be getting from this has just been completely ruined because somebody brought their kid and now she has to watch this. That's gross. Um, it was saved for me, however, once Santa Claus stripped down and it was just a fat man in a little thong dancing around. I thought that was hilarious. He said, nobody won. He just said, we all win. And then he got, he, he stripped and he started dancing around with his big old boobies and his big booty where you could see everything. I was cracking up. At that point, I thought it was, okay, that's pretty funny. Fat man in a thong is hilarious. I'm sorry. It is. Um, and they all do a conga line out. And so, okay, well, you know, segment saved. But uh, still, yeah, it's a little awkward, you know. There's a time and place for that kind of activity. Uh, in the middle of a of a wrestling match, probably isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, anyways, then we had our main event. Uh, King Booker. Man, this is another thing. So oh, you forgot there was a, 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 a Booker T Finley. Uh, oh, segment. backstage moment. Back, That's right. Yeah, backstage where they were kind of, there was some tension mm-hmm. about whether they could trust each other, and mm-hmm. then Charmel says, "No, we're going to get through this." Right. And yet there was still tension because Finley said something on the way out. Yeah. That upset them. And I'm just thinking to myself, look, Finley, Booker T is a legit main eventer. Oh, yeah. World champ. Yes. You're not. You never have been. So you probably need to pay attention to what Booker is doing. Yeah. And not worry, you know, worry about that. Um, because it was kind of obvious. Like, Booker T looks great. Oh, yeah. Batista, obviously. Cena, they all look great. Finley's this little, like, you know, sort of <laughs> chubby old man. <laughs> you know? Um, and I love that's I love that. I love Finley. Dave Taylor, I love that. You yeah. Know, old bastards. Yeah. Real tough men. Real tough men. But you know, it just didn't translate well. Like, it, this was not... None of them were really, like, a legit main event, to be honest with you. Like, a tag match? That's not a legit main event. No. Give me a break. Um, <coughs> King Booker came out with Charmel. I love Charmel. Yeah, she she's great. Buckets and buckets of charisma. Um, she comes out, and she's doing the all-hail King Booker thing. With her like terrible British accent, and she goes up to a little, a little fat dude in the crowd, like on the, and he just middle finger right to her face, and I'm like, you little sack of crap, what is your problem? Why would you do that to to Queen Charmel? I know, man, show some respect. Show some respect, dude. I mean, do this, yeah, yeah. okay. If you're not, but they, come on, don't do that. That's rude. Not cool, man. Not cool. Anyways. 
Uh, yeah, the match was what it was. I mean, Cena came out. He was super over. Batista was super over. Um, but it's funny. Like, you think, okay, the two world champs are going to team up. Number one, did Batista really need John Cena? Did he need to bring that weapon out? Not really. Um, to face Booker T and uh, Finley. Um, but, you know, it was what it was. Finley barely did anything. Like, I feel like in my head, like, I remember uh, Hornswoggle came out. And he kicked himself in the head on accident and then rolled out. Um, so that really was sort of a comedy. But I feel like Finley was just there to take bumps. He probably who ate the pin in this? I've Booker read, T did. Booker T ate the pin. Okay, well it should have been Finley. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it was what it was. It was a very underwhelming uh, union between world champion and world champion. It was a short match too. It was only about twelve minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. This was the. Uh, the 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 tag team match was longer. The uh, the last ride match was longer. The Benoit Chavo match was longer. Yeah, strange for the main event to be so mm-hmm. short. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, that's Armageddon 2006. Thanks again to Thayer at the bottom. We'll come back in another couple weeks. How about this? I have an idea. November is Survivor Series month. Mm. We each pick a Survivor Series. Okay. And then the Friendo Universe out there can suggest. A Survivor Series. Okay. Put those three Survivor Series up to vote. Okay, sounds good. We'll I really it. want to do Survivor Series 98, but I know we watched that with Dan once, so maybe I'll find something else. The Dan, the, the book, book of the match Dan episodes were kind of a long time ago. We can revisit it. Okay, that's my suggestion then. All right. Survivor Series 98. Deadly Games. All right. Best I'll, pay-per-view I'll ever. either go with the one that I tried to get this time, which is what, 22? Survivor Series 2012. That I think so. The one with the shield. Oh, showed up, the shield, yeah. The debut of the shield, or I'll go with uh, I might go with the Montreal Screwjob. Ninety-seven, then maybe I'll do ninety-seven. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, we'll figure it out in a couple weeks. We'll let you guys know exactly what your home was. A Ryback match against Punk and Cena. I know. Anyways, you have time to think. I got time to think about it. We'll let you guys know when that comes to pass. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Your words? Less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.